Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, October 31st. We are here live. It's time for the Power Hour. We'll be joined by the team from Pittsburgh Power. Uh, we should have Bruce, and Pete, and Leroy. We'll hear from them. Then we'll get to your calls and questions. I see we've got some calls coming in already. Today's going to go fast. We're only doing an hour. Uh, I've got a lot going on this week. Uh, two events coming up in the next, oh, 10 days or less. Um, so a lot to work on with that. It looks like I might be extending my trip. Got a couple other opportunities I, uh, I need to consider. So we'll see. But today is, is going to go fast. We're going to do an hour. So you want to jump in quickly and uh, get in with your call and question. Let's hear from... The team at Pittsburgh Power. Uh, Bruce, is this you? Yes, it is. All right. I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit today. Normally, I do a longer open and we get time to get all the calls situated. But uh, today, it's going to go pretty fast. We've only got an hour. Wow. You're cutting us short. Okay. I am today. That's going to cost you dinner at the, at the show this weekend. Excellent. I'll look forward to that. <laughs> 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 so, I'm going to start out with a negative. David Nyhart from Ohio is a friend of mine on Messenger and Facebook, and he's been posting. He he has uh, he posted on your site and our site and Facebook that, that he doesn't like the max mileage, and he doesn't really say why. I'm going to have Doctor Jane talk to him. I'm, I'm going to call him later, but. You know, if, if if you have a problem with anything that I sell, all you got to do is call me, and we'll explain. If if you're not getting the results that you want, you know, it's we'll make it right. But you don't have to blast me all over social media. Uh, you know, if I if I'm upset with a company or a person, I call them or I go see them. Yeah, I don't blast people on social hey, media. Hey Bruce, how when did you release the max mileage? It, it was 2019 okay. at the Louisville so, show at you on your radio show right after the Louisville show in 2000. It. So here's what I can say. 18 or 19. So, here, here, here's what I can say about this. I, I have whatever word we want to use, represented, recommended a lot of products, a lot of services over the years. You always get complaints. You always will. I really try to make sure I'm working with companies and products that those are minimal, but they almost always happen. Every now and then I get a product that I just don't hear any complaints about. And Max Mileage has been one of them. This is the first time I've heard anybody at all. And I'm all over social media and people send me stuff all the time. It's the first time I've heard anything like that. I, I agree on, here's another option. If you disagree or have a problem or whatever with any of the stuff we talk about, any of our partner companies, any of our products, our products or services, call the show. We're not trying to hide anything. If you've got a problem, call right here on the show. We do not screen people out who want to complain. In fact, we usually move them to the front of the line and deal with it. We, we don't try to hide anything, cover anything up. If there ever is a, a product or a service that we get enough complaints about, we get rid of it. I couldn't do what I do 
if there was all kinds of problems all the time. There's always going to be problems. We'll deal with them, and we'll deal with them in the open. If you want to call the show and talk about it, we'll do that. All I say is call me. I'm always available. So, hey, uh, this garbage truck fleet that we're testing, it's been one month, and they gave us their six worst trucks. Remember the one they had one that was regenning 255 times in <laughs> 60 days. Yeah. Well, this is 30 days. 30 days. One truck was 106 regens in 30 days. It's down to 22 wow. in 30 days. Wow. Now it takes it takes 90 days of running the max mileage catalyst to clean this out. So I don't know what Dave, Dave Neidhart, he showed him having a pint. He only tried a pint. Yeah, he might not see anything in a pint. But so they have another truck. Now that truck was getting 2.4 mile per gallon. And it's still at 2.4. But it's you can see that it's cleaning because of the regens. So that particular truck is saving about $300 a month just on fuel because of the decrease in regens. Here's another one. It went from 101 regens to 40. And the third one went from 93 to 26. You know, Bruce, I can't think of a a worse duty cycle on a diesel engine, especially with emissions, than a garbage truck. I mean, that is the tough, the worst case scenario. Garbage, you know, it goes a block, it's yeah. not even a block at a time. <laughs> right. It goes all, to the next. All God, day I'm, long. I'm on a third of an acre in Saxonburg, so right. it goes from my house to the next house is uh, 80 feet. So, yeah. The other thing I wanted to bring up was we have two owner operator families, one in North Carolina and one in South Dakota. They have their children racing go karts. And Roland Haynes from South or North Carolina, he's a boat hauler. He sent me a video of his son. My guy that gave me goosebumps made me want to go out and buy a go a, a go kart. <laughs> <laughs> he said his son will uh, purposely go off the track, and that puts in in. I don't know if it's parade laps, practice laps, but it makes you start out last. And he he loves passing people. <laughs> Sounds like an owner operator. <laughs> and God did this video he sent me. It not only had goosebumps on through my body, brought tears to my eyes. Oh, and he he won the race and he beat the the national champion. Wow! And then the other family, the other family in South Dakota. They started, listen to what age. I got to bring them up here on my. uh, They started their kids out. I think one was six years old. Let me find this. And can you imagine racing a go kart at that age? Just think of how great of a driver these kids are going to be because it teaches them how to slide and drift through corners. Yeah. I mean, it's just phenomenal to have. This experience. You know, Bruce, I think when I got my first little mini bike that actually had a couple gears on it, if I remember right, the Honda Mini Trail 50 had like three gears. No clutch or anything, but I think it did have three gears. I got it when I was six, and I was racing it when I was seven. I actually won the track championship when I was eight. 
for the whole year. Wow. You, you had to, you, every Sunday, we had a racetrack mm-hmm. right near my house. Motocross was really big back then. Um, not nearly as big anymore, but it was a pretty big thing back then. We had two tracks um, in my hometown, and one of them, you had the whole series for the summer. You raced every weekend or every weekend you were there. You got points. They kept points, and then I actually won the whole championship when I was eight. That's awesome. Eight years old. I didn't know you. your history went back that far with yeah. engines. Yeah, well. So, I, so I this was, other family is Scott I, and Jessica Peckron, P-E-K-R-O-N. And their boy, their son Tyler's 13, started racing go-karts at eight. And Jace is six, almost seven, and started racing at age five. Wow. Racing go-karts at five years old. Yeah, incredible. I'm I'm, I'm amazed at this. And, you know, just just think of the future that these kids have and the camaraderie they have just with their mother and father. Yes. You know, because a family that races together stays together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. So... Let me see. Oh, here's here's a story about boost gauges and pyrometers. <clears throat> Got a phone call from an owner operator with an Acer cat, and his boost went from fifty nine down to fifty, and his pyro went up one hundred and seventy five degrees, and he lost the model of the gallon. So. The fact that he has those gauges, we lost boost, we gained heat, which means we didn't lose fuel, but we lost boost. So, as soon as we can get him in, we're going to do the boost test, find out where his leak is, fix the leak. He gets his mile and a gallon back, his nine pound of boost, and drops 175 degrees. That's the beauty of having the right gauges and knowing what they mean. Yep. Yep, we've said that many, many times. Right, right. So that's all I have for right now, and I'll see you on Thursday afternoon at uh, Nashville. No, you won't. Nobody will see me on Thursday till I walk on stage at six. That's it. That's my that's my time to get ready. So we'll uh, we'll do something right after. 6 p.m. is when you go on stage? I think so. I think that's, uh, I think I do the opening keynote at 6. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll see you at 6 o'clock. There you go. Yes, I, uh, I'll be right. hiding out that whole day and getting ready. Well, I can, if I need to, I'll find you in that motorhome, <laughs> but I, I'll let you. Yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, Let's see. This looks like it should be Pete and Leroy. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. What's uh, what's new and exciting this week? So I was going to talk about um, driver retention. So I was talking to Bill today, and last year Bill and I did NASDAQ, and I was talking to a couple guys promoting our products, and they haul um, groceries. They have uh, reefer vans in the south. And they were running old 379s with, they would um, recondition them and then put reman cat engines in them. And I had mentioned about fuel mileage, you know, that they're not the best for fuel mileage. And he's like, we really don't care about fuel mileage. Um, he said, the reason we have these trucks is driver retention. And he said, we have like a 98% driver retention rate with these trucks. 
And if I have something else and I have to go through drivers and pay to recruit them, it costs too much money. Now, I thought that was interesting, their way of so, thought. Uh, driver so, retention, they got the trucks. And, go uh, yeah, a couple things that I just, I don't know. So a couple things might not make sense here. How many trucks did they have? It, it was a pretty big operation. I don't remember the exact number, but it was quite a few trucks. They, enough that their shop was running 24-7. So we and talking like trucks and, and trailers, 50? 100, 100 Hun- trucks. 100 trucks. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I, I one of two things. I either want to call BS on a number or I'd love to talk to this company and find out what they're doing. I know of almost no 100 truck fleets, no matter what they do, that has a 98% retention rate. That would, If I'm hearing that right, that means they only have a 2% turnover rate. I, that's absolutely unheard of in this industry. So if they are doing it, I would love to talk to them. And I can promise you this. It's got to be more than just having big hoods and nice trucks. Because there's tons of people who have done that over the years. Nobody achieves a 2% turnover. Now, not not with a fleet that size. That's why I asked about the size. I, I used to complain or, you know, brag that I had a 0% turnover rate because I did. I had gone several years without losing a driver, but I only had five drivers at the time. But And I did the opposite. I did not buy big, fancy, nice trucks. I drove. I bought very, very economical trucks, and the drivers got most of the fuel savings in their pay. That works really well, too. But I would, like I said, something's either wrong with that number, or I would love to interview these people. Yeah. That was interesting to take on it most to have trucks like that. I know years ago I had a, a guy call and want to order some power boxes for his fleet. We had like five trucks. He wanted five power boxes. And back then we had a power box that was either on or off. It was fixed 75, 80 horsepower, 200, 225 foot pounds of torque, on or off. Right. And it was mainly for, and he bought five of them and he said, I need to buy He said, I have virtually no turnover. Guys will put their own lights and chrome on the truck or my truck. They pay for it because they want chrome and stuff on there. And by offering them this, I can retain drivers and not spend effort for drivers, which I thought was interesting as well. <sighs> this must so be. be I, I wonder if there are any other industries where employees are willing to pay to put, you know, a, a, I don't know what, a better looking desk in their office. I really don't even understand that mentality of adding. I, I just, I guess, I don't understand it to each its own. But I, I that seems like such an odd thing. Um, now, I, I've had drivers over the years. We were talking about max mileage, and I know drivers who will pay to put max mileage in a company truck because it performs better, and they know that there's a true benefit. They will have less regens, less downtime. Um, I, I've seen that that kind of sort of makes sense to me. But to spend money out of my own pocket to put something on somebody else's truck to make it look better? It's just an odd yeah, fact. When I, was, I would go for the early, money. When I was in the early 70s and I was with Bankcard Heavy Hall, I didn't like my office chair and they wouldn't get me a new one. So I went to the junkyard and I bought wow. a, I bought a bucket seat out of a, a Chevrolet and I put a 
pedestal underneath it, and I built my own seat. I had to go buy that bucket seat because I wasn't happy with the seat. So I did that. We could say the seat was at least functional. There was a, there was a true benefit <laughs> to, to having a more comfortable seat. The, I, I don't know. The whole, that whole thought process just seems kind of odd to me. And when you sit in a truck all day long and you get to look at those chrome bezels on the gauges versus those plain bezels, uh, it's worth it to spend a little bit of money because you're in it the whole time. Let, let me say this. If that's what somebody wants to do as an owner-operator and they enjoy that, that's awesome. It really is. I've said, look, buy any truck you want. That's the beauty of being in business. Here's why I push back on this so much. Because it always seems to be that same group that then bitches about why they're not making any money. The rates are too low. Well, no, the rates are what they are. That's the market. You're really not going to change that. You can have a small impact on it by having good customers and good lanes and providing great service and all those things. But for the most part, the rates are what they are. And when I hear somebody who, who does those kind of things, it's your business, do whatever you want. But then don't blame your failures on somebody else. And I hear it over and over and over. The brokers are ripping me off. Why is fuel so expensive? Well, well, maybe if you would have taken all that money you spent on lights and chrome and used it on fuel mileage, you wouldn't have this problem. So if you want to run your business the way you want, you should. But it just makes me crazy when they start blaming other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, do, I, I used this example the other day. This trip, it does, I, there's no way I can cost justify driving this coach. It's about a buck a mile. A little less this time. Um, last trip out, it was a buck a mile plus. Um, I could have flown and, and done this trip for about one-tenth of the cost. So this is an extravagance that I do for personal reasons. There are some business reasons. I will be able to, I'll probably have, it's looking like six different meetings with either current partners or potential partners. I'll get to see more people, I'll, I, I, it would be much more difficult to do if I flew. But I can't really cost justify any of that. This is kind of an extravagance. So I, I, but you will never hear me say the, the market's so bad, everybody's screwing me, costs are so high, I can't make any money. What you would hear me say if things really got bad is maybe the coach just isn't necessary. Maybe I don't need to travel like that when times get tough. I mean, right now it, it's fine. I'm doing okay. That that may change. So again, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't make those kind of decisions in business, but when you do, own them. Hey, well, do you know why Bob Lear invented the Lear Jet? <laughs> there is another good Same example. Same reason you had. Yep. Same reason you had the motorhome. Uh, he was. Uh, he would fly commercially, and he had to make as many as five stops a day to visit five other different businesses, and he wasn't able to do it. So he invented the Learjet so that he could see five of his locations spread out throughout the country in one day. You know, I, I worked with ATBS for a year after I sold them my accounting company. And Todd Amon, the, the founder, is one of the most brilliant business people I know. He really is. Uh, 
they bought a private jet and it wasn't it was the same reason they do a ton of sales work all over the country um they had like five salespeople that did that and they bought the jet because it was too hard for them to get around it was time thing they had it for about three years i think mm -hmm. they had it the the year or two i was down there i flew on it a lot it was an awesome way to travel ultimately they gave it up it, it just became so expensive they couldn't cost justify it at all anymore um Again, same thing. They made a decision. They tried it for a while. When they went back and looked over all of the numbers, it just didn't make sense. And they sold it. So it, it's there's a lot of decisions to be made in business. And I, I just see, and, and we're seeing it now. You know, the last five years, you could own a truck, do almost anything you want, and you are probably going to stay in business and make money. It, it just was not hard at all. That's now changed. And it, it's social media is flooded with it. Companies are going bankrupt. Owner operators are turning in trucks. Authorities are being canceled. It, it, and it's going to get worse. And we're going to have at least about a year of this. Uh, I have a feeling if you were to go back and talk to a lot of those people that are now out of business, they may make different choices. It works in the good times. The real key to your business model, will it work at the bottom? And that's what we're about to find out. Yeah. You've been through enough of those. Oh, I've been up and down many yeah. times. You know. Oh. Mm -hmm. All right. Anybody we that's been in business most of their life has been through it. Yep. So, yeah. And we'll get through we'll get through this. We will. Some some people will. Um a lot aren't going to. And that's unfortunately that's what has to happen in a downturn. You have a downturn, rates are low, there's not enough rate. You got to clear some of the dead wood out of the market. That's the only way we get out of a recession. It's the only way we get rates back up to where they need to be. We got to clear out the dead wood. The bottom third of the owner-operator world will not be owner-operators when this is over with. I just try to make sure I, I keep people in the other group that stays in business. All right, we do. I want to move along. We've got a lot of calls, and we don't have a lot of time today. So, uh, Leroy, what's on your mind this week? Oh, we, we can just move to some calls. I just I didn't really have much. Okay, we will do that then. Anybody else want to say anything before we do? William Lear of Learjet also invented the A-Track tape. No way. And the uh, it says, well, he led a team that developed the A-Track tape. And it says, developed the automobile radio. Hey, so, Leroy, have you ever yes. held an 8-Track tape? I have, yeah. Oh, okay. I just wasn't sure. You're pretty young. Yeah. It's been a long time since yeah, I've, I've seen one. They were my parents. Uh, hey, wait a second. <laughs> I had four track. I started out with four track and then went to eight track. Oh, uh, I did. Stereo even... eight was led by yeah, Bill Lear led a team that had like, uh, you know, Sony and some of those other um, companies. They came together and they made a uh, eight track tape for his automobile radio. Wow. Bruce. Bruce. Le Mans had eight track tire in it. What kind of car? 72 Pontiac Le Mans. No way. When I was 16, I had an 8-track player in it, yeah. Pete, that was my first car. Is that right? A 72 Pontiac <laughs> Le Mans, forest, forest green. Ours was uh, red and uh, black interior. So, it was a good-looking car. Actually, 
I had a 72 Buick Skylark as well, which is basically the same car. And that one was red with a black interior. It was basically the same car. Um, funny mm-hmm. story about the stereo in it. You had an 8-track in yours. Mine didn't. It had a, And it was my dad's car, and I bought it from him as my first car. And he didn't want me to change anything on the dash. I said, Dad, I want to put in a, a real stereo. And he's like, well, you can, but you're not cutting anything on that dash. I'm like, well, that doesn't seem right. I bought it. But anyway, I went to put the 8-track in that I had, and it wouldn't fit. And I was trying everything, and I couldn't cut anything. And I don't even know why I thought about it, but I flipped it upside down, and then it would work. So I actually had an 8-track and a stereo in my dash that was upside down, but it worked. Yeah. I mean, was, so. that, was that cost-effective? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did you really need that? I mean, your dad lived with that stock radio. You should have lived with that stock radio. <laughs> no, you wanted to alter a car. That's right. And, and <laughs> that's right. I did. You wanted to make it your way, right? I did. All right. That's Remember, right. have it your way. You're it's like right. Burger King, right? <laughs> All right. We're going to get to some calls now. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go to Arkansas. Paul, welcome. Howdy. I, I got one question, but I'll make a quick comment. If you, if you're a hardcore truck driver, even you're a, if you're a company driver, you gonna spend stuff on your truck, lug nut covers, hubcaps. The guy I work for in New Zealand, we did all that. Lights. He said you can do anything you like, but do not drill any holes in the interior. He sounds like he my said, dad. Once it's on there, if you and, <laughs> yeah, and he said once it's on there, if you get out of that truck, it stays there. There okay? you go. No problem. So. Um, on Sunday, I started in Louisiana, it's 80 degrees and sunny. I get over to Texas and it's raining and 54 degrees and then it lots of rain. And then I had a check engine light come on and I pulled into the and had a look and it's like, oh, it's my 1387, which is just a low voltage any system. So I didn't worry about it. And by the end, at seven turbo actuators, intake knock sensor, another one for low voltage, another one for a wiring harness, and then, but everything worked as good as gold. Just telling me to seat service me. It's like, I got to get rid of this load. So I get rid of the load, and then I leave the dealership. It was cold, but it was sunny. I guess everything dried out, and poof, all the codes, every single one of them disappeared. No check engine light, nothing. And as this morning, no check engine lights, nothing on the screen in the truck. So did did you get caught in that horrendous downpour that came up through Texas that flooded parts of uh, Arlington? Uh, I, I didn't see any flooding, but there was a lot of water laying around, but yeah. nothing that, oh, yeah, we can't drive through this. But there was a lot of rain. So I'm thinking something just got wet. Sort of do you have paper air filters or do you have the fleet air filters? Fleet air. Okay. Because when you go through a storm like that, if you have paper, you want to sometimes check to see if they got soaking wet because then that ruins a paper air filter. But you're okay with the fleet air filters. Okay. But uh, as soon as everything dried out, and by the time I'd done 200 miles yesterday, uh, I guess it dried out enough, and I I noticed it's like oh my check engine light's gone off. 
And then when I stopped to get fuel, there was not one single code displayed. So I don't know. Just didn't like all that water. Sounds like it. Yeah. I I guess I'll keep on trucking in the meantime. So it's not the first so that's check engine lights come on. But those extendable lights that come out of the back of your trailer is that an option? It's a custom option. I had to go. The controller that built the trailer, they they might do stuff like that, but a guy in Florida will do it. So I went there and mm. made it happen. So okay. So it makes me an incognito eighty footer. Uh, yeah, because yeah. we, we can hang six-foot rear overhang beyond the taillights. So if you make the taillights where you can pull the taillights out two feet, <laughs> technically you're eight. So. That, I like that hack. That, that yeah. Volkswagen you had hanging on the back there, one more foot and it would have been on the ground. Ah, plenty of room, plenty of clearance. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough being a low life, but it's the life I chose. So. There you go. <laughs> I look at those straps you had holding that, going around those tires, and I hope nothing breaks. <laughs> well, those those straps are rated at like 30, 200 pounds a piece, and I always four straps, okay. so I got 12,500 pounds of tie down per, for a 4,500 pound vehicle, so I think I'm good. I one time was I'll following. I'll never one come off yet. So. One time was following a guy pulling an open snowmobile trailer. And uh, I stay back. I don't. I don't stay close. And he hit a bump, and off come one of his snowmobiles, oh. and it's going down a oh. highway behind him and in front of me. And I thought, God, if I was tailgating him like people like to do, I'd have ran over his sled. Yeah. But uh, he heard it come off, and I stopped and helped him get it back on. But uh, it was quite a scene to see that happen right in front of you. Have Have you ever heard of anybody losing a car off a car hauler? Yeah, I know a guy did it on eighty on Interstate eighty one in Virginia. He pulled into the white truck stop, and it was late at night, Saturday night, and he walked around the back, and he had an old used Mercedes that was on the back end that wasn't there. So <laughs> he found it. They found it the next day. <laughs> it had come off. Of his, it was but it, it had gone off the road. It was in the ditch. But yeah, so Bruce and my my first year of driving, I used to go to breakfast every morning at a little local truck stop, and same people would eat there all the time. One of the guys was a car hauler, and I talked to him once in a while, and he would take his tractor home with nothing on it, and he had a really low clearance bridge to get under in Cleveland to get home. And uh, one one day he was on his way home and got into an argument with his wife and he said he was distracted and he went under that bridge with a car on top. That didn't work well. And you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was ugly. Hey, how, was there any damage done to that snowmobile? No, really? Wow. None at all. It stayed right up on its, on its skis and on its track and it's sliding down. Now there's snow on the road. So yeah. that helped. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty lucky. Yeah. 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 Right. right. I'll let you get the next guy. I'll just carry on till the next check engine light comes on. So. All right. Carry on. We'll uh, we'll move off to California. Aaron, welcome to the program. Oh, let me try that again. Oh, I think it worked that time. Aaron, There's welcome. The Good morning, Aaron, gentlemen. Good morning. Yes. So I just bought a used truck. It's a 2017 Freightliner 
um, it's got the DD13 engine in it, and it's got 580,000 miles. And my next stop with it is going to be to my local truck shop. I want them to look it over and make a couple changes. And I have some concerns about the condition of the DPF. And I'm wondering, is there a way that they'll be able to look at the ECM and determine if it's ever had its DPF cleaned? How many miles are on it? 580,000. Okay. Yeah, nothing for sure. You might be able to find clues, like if the the ash count is is fairly low, somewhere between less than fifty percent, then it's probably been cleaned. If it's higher than that, then it probably hasn't. But also, sometimes people just reset those soot counters and ash counts just to get them back on the road. So, I mean, there's really no for sure way to tell if it was ever removed or cleaned. Yeah, other than having them cleaned. Yeah, I mean, you can reset things in the ECM, but not actually tear it, take it off. So. Okay, so not necessarily. Um, if I do have them pull those out and get them cleaned, the DPF alternatives, is that going to be a superior cleaning to whatever they're offering locally? Absolutely. Um, yeah, because I was thinking if rather than have them do whatever they do locally, maybe just have my wife drive it to the nearest one, which is 200 miles away, um, and get them done that way. It would be worth it. And then uh, follow it up with the max mileage, fuel borne catalyst, and you should be good for uh, hopefully up to around 900,000. Okay, no problem. I, uh, you guys just sent me a bottle of that stuff, so it's in the mail. Um, do you guys have a balancer for the DD13? Is that one of the engines you have one for? We do not. There's a, a clearance issue that uh, the balancers won't fit on the DD platforms. There's just not enough room in the front end to get a mercury-filled balancer in there like we have for the older Detroits and the ISXs and the CAT engines. So, you know, one thing I see or okay. I hear so people, people get confused about, and I like to clarify it, the, the, when you replace the damper, you're replacing a factory part with the same part. It goes on, it fits. The balancer is a, a modification, an add-on. It, it makes it even better, but every once in a while, um, you run into some trucks that just don't have enough room to put that on. But those are two separate things. Yeah, so I should just, on this engine, be changing just the dampener only then. Correct. Yes. The torsional damper. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm almost afraid to bring that up to my local shop because I'm afraid to hear what they're going to say when I ask for that. But, but let me address that. Yeah. Let, let me address that. Seriously, I can't imagine a, a business where you come in, it's your truck, you say, I want this part replaced, and they try to talk you out of it. Just, again, yeah. I wouldn't even understand that mindset. They might. They might look at you and go, well, why? And my answer would be because they wear out and I want a new one. Yeah, they'll say we never change those, and that's because they just don't know about them. You know, if you exactly. don't ask questions, you don't know, right? You, you know, and then my, my because exactly. I, I'm always trying to help people, I would look at them and say, well, let me explain this to you because it's a revenue source for you, and it's good for your customers. Why wouldn't you do this? 
You should be educating your customers on why they should be doing this at a half a million miles. I do mm-hmm. the same thing with shops and charger coolers. Why are you not recommending testing charger coolers when trucks are in? It's good for you. It's good for your customers. Right. Just, just it's like a shock absorber. It's a shock absorber for the engine, and it wears out just like the shock absorbers Bruce, on the suspension. That's the In all the years we've been talking about dampers, that's the first time I've heard you use that. I really like that one. Yeah. That's a really good explanation. Yeah, shock absorber shock absorber for the engine. I like that. They stop the torsion thing in the shock whenever the piston is bottomed out. Yeah. Huh. I like that. So I've got another question. Um, would it be a good idea for me to run a tank of injector cleaner through this truck? And if so, how many gallons should I treat? Uh, you could run, you know, pick up a gallon of the Lucas. One gallon treats 400 gallon and put the Lucas in along with the Max Mileage Catalyst, and that has a lot of cleaners. The Catalyst is a cleaning agent, though. The Max Mileage does clean. So that's why you have to watch if you have black tanks inside. The Max Mileage Catalyst will clean them, and a lot of times that dirt ends up in the oil filter. Okay. All right. Um and then, then eventually I want to get a, a remote tune on this thing, turn it up a little bit, because it's a, set at uh, 410 horse, and I don't know what the torque is on it yet. Yeah. Um, but if we, do a tune, a rem- yeah, if we do a remote tune on that, just something reasonable and safe, they're not going to have to change any hard parts, are we? Or is it just all, all electronic? Usually you can do another 100 horsepower and 300 foot-pound of torque out of anything stock. Okay. That that would be enough to make me happy. Mm-hmm. Leroy, can we do the remote on the DD, D13? Yes, we can do all DD uh, engines remotely at any one of our remote dealers. Okay, good. Okay, well, I guess that's about it. Um I was going to have them ask them to do the overhead on the engine as well, because uh, I just don't have any history on this engine. Ask them, do they know how to set the overhead on this engine? And have they ever done oh. And if the answer was no, then you can be the first. I might want to think about that. Or what okay. you do is you buy the manual and you study it and go over it with them and be there when they do it. And you both learn. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm short on time right now. That's why I'm kind of taking it in and just being like, you guys go crazy and I'll pay you. Normally I do most of my own maintenance on my own, but just starting up, I got a lot of other things I'm doing. Yeah. Have them check the charger cooler, the intake system at the same time. Okay. Remember that old song called time is on my side. It's not anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't apply now. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's it. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Uh, Bruce, I, I think I've, uh, this week in the RV park, I think I was experiencing some things that uh, you did a, a way back when. Uh, I was just out. I'm really trying to avoid people, but there was a lot of people around when the weather was nice and I was outside doing some stuff on the coach and a 
I walked over and he was interested in the country coach, so he wanted to see it. And then we got talking and he asked me why I had the cat instead of the Cummins and I told him why. And then we got talking about the tune and I, pretty soon we had a little crowd around, uh, a lot of kind of gear heads, but nobody really does much to their coach. They I don't think they know what to do. And we got talking about some of the things, uh, you know, the big difference, um, and I'm sure you experience this too, um, Nobody balks at the cost of much of anything. These people, obviously, a lot of them are retired. They've done well in life. They're traveling around in nice coaches. They, the, the cost to them is almost nothing. I mean, it, it was almost meaningless. And I thought to myself, you know, I could probably just travel around and hang out in RV parks and make a pretty good living doing tunes and some other stuff. I had a great time doing it for three years back in the- 97 through 2000. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw it right and off made, the bat. Then yeah. I made a mistake. I made it. And I made a big mistake in but summit motorsports. And that was one of my biggest mistakes in my life. Well, we learned from those. Yeah. Yeah. Came home in 2003 with my tail between my legs. And fortunately Pete and Amy and Brian Moan and Sean and Gary Hoffman and get the business running and I had a place to come back to. So good story. I like it. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's grab some calls. Let's go to Iowa. Jim. Welcome. Hey, can you hear me? Okay, guys. Now we can hear you. I'm not sure if it's okay. Okay. I'll get a little closer. I found an 08 pusher motorhome. It's got a 340 hours common. And, but I haven't found out what leader it is. Got a six feet out behind it, 38 footer. What do you recommend going through that engine? Uh, can you is that, get a little more torque stuff out of it? Is that the ISL? A 90? No. No. He didn't know what the leader of the engine I was. I think it's an 8.3. Did you say it's a 1998? No, 2008. Oh, 2008. Okay. Pete, I think that's the uh, 8.3 liter at 340 horse. It definitely could be. Yeah, definitely. that's what it'd have to be. Zero number. Uh, if you get an engine yeah. zero number and call us with it, we can tell you exactly what we can do for you. Okay. Okay. You know, I just, it's got seven, not quite 70,000 miles on it, so it has been used a little bit more than some of them, but yeah. it's what I'm looking for. And, uh, I just kind of wanted more, a little more boot behind it. I can, I, can t- I can tell you when the 8.3 came out in motorhomes, it was the 250, and then they took it to 300, then 325, and we used to take them up over 400 and never had a problem. Yeah. Well, those those know. were the mechanical engines, and yours is electronic, so uh, I think yeah. we can do that for you. But it's pretty deaf, I know that, but... Um, I wanted to stay the hell away from death, but I what, could get the max volume and do just as much. What size did you say it was? 38. 38 foot. 38, eight, eight, something like that. Okay. What brand? Um, uh, Damon Astoria Pacific. Okay. Number 3770. Yeah, I had um, my, my very first motorhome that I bought cheap just to see if I was going to like the whole motorhome thing and make sure we could do the show on the road and all that was a 38 foot 
pusher with the 5.9. That one was a little underpowered. Aren't those two engines almost identical, though? Isn't the 8.3 just like a bigger 5.9? Yeah, at, yes, it is. However, the 8.3 has liners, and the 5.9 does not. Ah. The 5.9 the five is right on the cast iron cylinder block is where the rings ride. So whenever you need to rebuild a 5.9, you need to yank it out and do an out of the chassis and bore it over to go to 30 over piston. Hmm. Okay. Where in the 8.3, you just put, put a new liner in it. And it's a dry, I think it's a dry liner. It's very similar to a 300 Mac. Okay, got it. Well, that, I just, you know, if I get a, a VIN number and stuff from it, I'll give you guys a call. Not what. the VIN, the engine serial number. Engine serial number, okay. Yes. Engine serial number. I'll try to get that and uh, see what I can come up with. And, uh, I haven't bought it yet, so I'm trying to see what I want to do for it first before I jump into it. Because I don't like dragging, talking little diesel, so... We'll go from there. I appreciate your help, guys. You going to tow anything with it? Uh, I'd like to tow a car with it eventually, because I know we won't be able to get around very much outside of it. So, so Paul Carmine just sent me a message, said it could be an 8.9 liter. His stepdaughter has a country coach 2008 with the 8.9. So, Pete, did they take the 8.3 up to 8.9? I wasn't aware of that. I don't even I think remember it's that nine liter at all. Now, this could be the, uh, I think, ISL, which is the 9-liter engine. Okay. That sounds more familiar. I didn't remember ever anybody ever saying oh. an 8.9. Yeah. He also said it's for sale, so you might want to get a hold of Paul Carmine oh. and take a look at the one his uh, stepdaughter has oh, been for sale. And it's a country coach. Yeah. Well, I, I can yeah. I, uh, I can highly uh, recommend Country Coach as far as the coach itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just kind of see. I know RV USA's got the specs on this coach. I just haven't had a chance to look it up. I'm still running on the road, so I kind of got to do stuff at night when I'm laid down. So, well, uh, see what I can come up with. There you go. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Wyoming. I'm looking at the clock. We might be able to squeeze one more call. And I turned the phone lines off for a little bit because I didn't want to run over today. But if you want to jump in now, I could probably get one more in. Let's go to Wyoming. Patrick, welcome. Good morning, guys. So let's go to back to the max mileage. Kevin, I'm going to make this quick. I use it in my 7.3. I use it in the old 6NZ I just sold. The Acer, uh, two Volvos. And a Cummins. And that Peterbilt that we've talked about, Bruce, that never got any fuel mileage till I got behind the wheel. These guys want to bitch and moan about the catalyst and not change. So they've made a change to their truck by adding an additive, but they won't change the way they drive. Uh, it's a moot point at the end of the day. Because I'll guarantee you that guy put the max mileage in and he still kept his foot on the floor. Guaranteed. Yeah. I'm looking at all, all of his, uh, all his messages to me, and uh, and uh, when we became friends, he was messaging me back and forth uh, about a uh, 
has a little girl behind the wheel of a tractor, and he said, you think two and a half years old is too young to teach them how to drive? And, <laughs> oh, my God. And then I, well, well, then I sent him something about President Trump is asking everyone to forward this email, and I forwarded it to him, and guess what? That was the last communication. <laughs> so is that the one you I, forwarded me to? Well, I forward you a lot, so. <laughs> but I, I know you. I know you're a Trumper, and apparently David is not a Trumper, so that's why he's upset, and that's why no more messages because. And I, I guess I shouldn't be uh, on the political side here, but. So. Well, I'll guarantee you, if you don't change your driving habits, you're not going to see any improvements. And this is what I tell guys when they come to me for tunes and they get, they get a seven or 800 horsepower tune. I say for the first month, you're going to realize that you got a lot of power under the hood and you're going to have a 16 year old foot on the right hand side. <laughs> and you're going to have the time of your life. And then you're going to get your fuel bill and you're going to say, Oh shit, I better slow down. So if you're going to do the changes, you got to do, uh, Kevin, I'm going to use your line, you got to do the hard work. You got to slow down a little bit. There you and go. And if you don't, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Or what's your boost gauge, especially when you're in that wonderful state that you're in with all that wind in Wyoming and you're going west. And the My boost gauge is too. always pigged up. <laughs> 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 so... But anyway, no, you're, you're right. And so, you know, these guys can complain all they want, but, but until they change themselves, the changes that they make to the equipment are not going to work. Does that, yeah. does that, does that make sense? Well, oh no, sure of does. course it does. Uh, driving, driving can be as much as 60, 66% of fuel mileage and driving by the boost gauge and knowing what it means can get you an easy mile of a gallon. If you're not driving by it, I mean, Look at when you're coming out of Denver and coming north to Cheyenne, up where you live, and you're climbing up uh, 25 there. I mean, you're just rolling up and down, and you got to let it roll. But you you can't just keep your foot into it the whole time. Well, so, how how many how many times did you think I was at the end of my rope before we figured out it was a guy in the in the left hand seat in that Peterbilt? <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to tell people. Real quick, um, you had a driver on a truck. This is how I met you. Yep. And you sent a driver in, and we did the tune, and he wasn't getting fuel mileage and wasn't, and you kept calling me and calling me, and, and I thought, oh, God, here he is again on the phone, and I don't know what to tell him. <laughs> and uh, I almost at one time was going to tell you, hey, just don't call me anymore because I, I, I don't, there's nothing else I can do for you. And you took the driver out of the truck, and you drove it, and you gained an instant what? Mile and a half. Wow. You gained an instant mile and a half. And yep. so we found out it wasn't the truck. It wasn't the tune. Everything was right. It was the driver. And, and if so, I'd have had my, and if I'd have had my, my thought process together, I'd have been looking at his electronic log to see how fast he was driving, but it never occurred to me because here we go again, family, friend, right? 50 years of friendship, right? <clears throat> Don't think he's going to take advantage of Heidi and I. Bullshit. <laughs> Right, yeah. and yeah. so then you then you became a remote tuner and a catalyst dealer, 
and now you're putting on a big deck on the back of your house and we're all going to stop by because you're right off of Interstate 80 in Cheyenne. We're <laughs> coming for barbecue. All we got to do is yeah. bring a bottle of wine. And no, a bottle get- of whiskey. Oh, whiskey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, we need them $50 and, bottles of whiskey out here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, uh, do you have good barbecue in Cheyenne? Dude, I got two smokers at my house. We're putting on a right. feast. There you go. Okay. All right. So, so, uh, so we're going to talk about... We can talk about it a couple weeks before I get there and invite some owner operators because uh, you posted it. Yeah, but we're not going to do it before probably May. Okay? No, so, no, no. Little, it's got to be. It's got to be little, nice weather. Yeah, a little chilly on this end. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Anyway, guys, thank you very much. Have All a good right. week. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's grab one final call. Uh, we're going to head off to Virginia. Tad, welcome. Well, gentlemen, Bruce, and uh, everybody else, Kevin, it's been three years since I talked to you. Last time we spoke, you told me to rebuild my DD-15. Long time ago, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was quite a while back. Yeah, well, guess what? Let me tell you something. The truck is 10 years old last month. Lifetime is now 8.5. If you don't run the catalyst, and I'll tell you why, you 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 you'll just have problems. I uh, had my motor rebuilt 12,000 miles later because of a brand new set of bad injectors. Wiped out my one box, and that was during the uh, part shortage. Long story short, through all the dilemma and everything, we are now at 202,000 basically day one motor rebuilt, brand new one box. And I have not had one check engine light, and I have not had one car. Yeah. And let me tell you something, Leroy. I went the final final stage to the ten year old truck. Beautiful job on the tune that you did for me two months ago. I walk up and down the hills and look out towards the July because I run out to uh, Spokane. I mean, out to uh, Kent, Washington, every other week, and. It don't matter what I got on. When I used to drop three gears, I dropped down one gear now. And boost, my boost gauge, my goose gauge, and pyro spot on. I, and I and I, I have to, the tune is so good now that when I climb out in 4th of July, I have to feather the pedal just to keep my boost under 30 pounds. So I pulled that hill now with about 18, 18 pounds of boost. Pyro runs good. All in all, Kevin, I did something that nobody else has done. I rebuilt the DD15. We are now at 1.345689. This thing rides on the road like glass, and it's just a phenomenal work. And before I go, I just want to say it's been all the years of knowledge, all the years of hard work, shop time, downtime, lots of money, and it's all credit to the show, credit to the people at Pittsburgh Power. I've been through hell and back, but you know what, Kevin? Business is good. good. I did $325,000 last year all by myself, not, not Landstar, me, to my, to my bank account before expenses. And, I run in, and I'm running about uh, 75 cents out of my $2 and something amount to run my business. Excellent. A big, hey, a big climb, hey, a big climb from 
Yeah, I remember those days. Oh, and I was thinking of you real quick, Kevin. I was down in Florida the other day, George the other day. It was a one-hour backup. I've never seen this, Kevin. This relates to your RV. So I said, what the hell is going on? Well, I went around it, and as I was coming around it, I must have hit the right place to come out at. As God is my witness, beautiful. Not talking a camper, a beautiful, maybe a eight, $900,000 RV barrel roll. I've never seen it day in my life like that. But gentlemen, as always, Pete, I hope you're doing well. We'll talk another time. Oil samples are phenomenal. This truck, it was well worth every dollar that I spent. And I'm very proud to say I'm a very successful driver and business is very good. No matter what the rates are, I find my money. And it's all because of one thing I learned years ago from you, Kevin. Build your relationships. God bless. Talk to you later. Fantastic. Good hearing from you again. Uh, Bruce, isn't it time just flies anymore? It does. It just. It It does. That's why I am. It doesn't and seem like the it older was, you get, the faster it goes. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago we were talking to him about that engine. And I remember there just aren't that many DD15s that I've seen rebuilt. Yeah, yeah, we've known him a long time. You know that yeah. Beach Boy song? Wouldn't it be nice if we were older? <laughs> wow, <laughs> I got there. <laughs> um, I don't know if you—I don't know if you caught what he said or if you remember this. When when he first called the show, he was in a lease purchase and he was struggling and he didn't know why. And we we got him some numbers. Um, we got him to do his accounting and start using profit gauges our software. And we found out in the lease purchase, he was making sixteen cents a mile. Sixteen cents a mile. Wow. Bruce, you would drive 100,000 miles and make $16,000 for the year. That's all that was left. Wow. Yeah. The good news was, and I, I, he's, he's my second record like that. I actually have a guy who was wildly successful today. And when he first called me, he was making 13 cents a mile in a lease purchase. And the, at both of them, I said, here's the good news. You guys are somehow figuring out how to eat and keep the lights on at, at almost no money. As soon as we start to make you some more money, and I'll show you how, you're going to keep living like you are right now. And then we're going to take all that money you save. We're going to get a better truck, upgrade the one you've got. It will get you out of the lease purchase, whatever we got to do. Uh, and then you'll start working on a business. And, you know, you look at, at what Tad's come from at 16 cents a mile to being able to afford to rebuild the the DD15 when he needed to, and and even now with times getting tough, his numbers are still really good. He's still making over two dollars a mile. Our rates are are not the worst we've ever seen. They're not even close. These rates feel bad because we came off of such high rates. And I will say, it's much more difficult this time because costs have gone up so much. But the people who focused on controlling costs are not having those problems. His rate was over $2 a mile. His total cost was over was only 75 cents a mile. There's a lot of money left over there still. Way more than 16 cents a mile. And you know what? He's not working any harder than he was when he made 16 cents a mile. He's, he's doing the same job. If 
I did the math, started working on he, he's almost making 10 times more than what he was making in the lease purchase wow. to do the same job. I mean, when you think about it, he, he's driving a truck. It's all about the same. And yet he's going to make, you know, we'll call it eight times more. Uh, that's incredible. That's, when you uh, first started your body shop, what was your labor rate? Oh, you know what? I didn't have a labor rate. I actually just quoted each. I didn't know any better. I probably should have had one. I, I was so young and didn't understand business. I would just look at the car and give somebody an estimate. Mine was $4 an hour. Was it really? <laughs> I worked on Corvettes for $4 an hour. Oh, man. Yeah, I never, I, I never calculated mine after the fact either because it, you know, when I first started doing body work, I was 16. I mean, I was getting paid for it at 16, but I didn't run it anything like a business. I mean, I might tell, you know, I would get a car and that honestly you could have finished in four days. It usually took me two weeks because I, I was, you know, I was 16. I was, if it wasn't summertime, I was going to school, I was in sports. I didn't have a ton of time, but there were times when I was up at, you know, Two o'clock in the morning doing some of that stuff. Did you uh, ever come home from work on Friday, go into your shop and work, put your good music on and work and, and you're just really into it? And the next thing you know, the sun's coming oh, up yeah. on Saturday morning. I remember those and days. I said, I said, man, I forgot to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, yeah. So I go sleep for four hours and come right back into the garage. That was usually when I was working on one of my own projects. Yeah, me too. I was building race cars. Yeah, I was if, I was usually just buying um, wrecks and then re repairing them, repainting them, detailing them, and selling them. I was like a car flipper, I guess. Yeah, you were a car flipper. I, I didn't do that. I just worked on what people brought me and the racing and... And it just kept coming and coming, and, and sometimes I was too busy. Yeah. But yeah. anyway. All right. We, uh, we're we going to wrap yeah. this up for hey, today. Go ahead. First labor rate in the diesel engine business was $15 an hour. So. Wow. And that was in 1977-78, uh, 15 an hour. Isn't that hard to imagine now? pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Things had... A new ski boat on it up on the ski not <laughs> Bruce, what did you pay for that ski nautique back then? $7,800. Wow. And now they're up over, well over 100 for a, a plain Jane ski nautique. And I understand some of these weight boats can hit a quarter million. Are you kidding me? I knew we were well north of 100000 on a ski boat. Now, I had, I had no idea you could spend over 200000 on one. Yeah, these wake boats that you can surf behind, you know, they have the big block engine, they have the water tanks. Yeah. I understand they're a quarter million now. Wow. I, yeah. I'm trying to remember what year it was that I, I kind of got away from the the competition ski boats and I bought that, that big 24-footer that uh, 
Mastercraft put out, the Maristar, and it was like $38,000. And I, I just, I, I had to oh, think wow. really, really long and hard about buying that boat. I, I, It was so much money to spend. In fact, I split it with my brother because we always skied together anyway. So, But even that was uh, just a... What year was that? So let's see. I would have been maybe two years out of the military. So I'm thinking that would have been... Get out in eighty five. So I'm talking like eighty seven, eighty eight. Wow. Yeah, that was an expensive boat. A really expensive boat back then and now. Like hey, maybe we had a. You still have a water ski? I would have to ask my brother if he had any left. Con my my favorite ski to play yeah, around on was a Connolly Hook. Wonder if he still has that. <laughs> I think that's what I have now, but I was on a kidder most of the time. But I have a Conley, and you know, to fly into Pittsburgh, I have a lot of friends with ski boats at the Water Ski Club, and you and I, I ought to do some slalom skiing for. I, I that I would do that, and I have something else I would do if we do it like first thing next spring. I'm going to bring my foil and learn how to foil behind a boat. Because I still haven't got this really figured out yet. This foil is really but, difficult so to ride. So you're going to foil behind a boat. You're going to be holding a ski line? So here's the interesting thing. Once you get up on the foil, there is so little resistance that here's how you do it behind a boat. Use, use the rope, just like you would use on any other board. You, you'll come up, and then you'll come up on the foil. And this is the part where I have to learn how to control when you're up on the foil. And the problem is learning where I'm trying to learn on the Columbia River with crazy gusty winds is it's, it's so inconsistent. You get up on the foil, and the next thing you know, a gust blows you right off the board just about. You're not used to reacting to all that. So the doing it behind a boat takes away all that inconsistency. You can set the speed. You can. Yeah. But here's how cool this is. Once you're up on the foil behind the boat, you can let go and just ride the wake and you will stay behind the boat on the wake without holding the rope. Okay. That's how much we can do it. Yeah. That's how little resistance there is. I, I see guys all the time out on the river. I haven't done this yet because I haven't got up on the foil long enough, but we have barges come by. We have cruise ships come by on the river and people will just fall right in behind and they'll hold their wing behind them and they'll just ride the wake of the boat. <laughs> so okay yeah so well, I, I can fix you right up i can fix you you want to you want to you want a five or six foot high wake i can make that happen too <laughs> yeah, there you go yeah you, you could really ride that one that's right yep okay all right next summer we'll do it all right we're gonna see you soon i'm looking forward to it you bet likewise all right two days all right um Thanks to the team from Pittsburgh Power, as always. We will do it again next week. Uh, I will be back tomorrow for my final live show this week. Uh, got uh, uh, Dr. Griffin joining me tomorrow. We'll probably be talking about silver and copper. Uh, and then Thursday and Friday, no live shows. I'll be at the event. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Hey, Captain, one, one yep, second. Sure. You ever talk about iron in the body and being anemic? 
iron. Uh, yeah, the interesting thing is we, once people start eating the way we recommend, meat is so heavy in iron. Um, we actually have another issue we have to be careful of with males. They can end up with iron overload. Mm. The, the copper and silver the actually helps. There, there's a balance there. Now, women can have the opposite problem, and there's two reasons. One, most women, I'm going to generalize here, don't like to eat meat as much as men do. That, that's just a thing. It's not across the board, but it's pretty common. And women up until menopause bleed every month, and that's how you lose iron. Iron is stored in the blood. So with women, you deal with this more low iron. Men can sometimes end up with an iron overload. And one of the only ways to fix it, and it's not a bad way, it's, it's quick. We just have them go donate blood. Well, I went to give blood. I used to give blood every six months. It's a good idea. And I went to give blood, and they, and they told me I was anemic. I said, what's that? Your iron is very low. And I said, oh, and I was in a water ski club at the time, and I was talking to some people. They said, you got to eat a lot more broccoli. I said, I don't like oh, broccoli. Oh, no, that was a like horrible idea. The iron in broccoli isn't even very bioavailable. You got to go eat a big ribeye. <laughs> so anyway, um, I heard about this chiropractor that studied applied kinesiology, and, and uh, I went and saw him. And he did muscle testing and put me on iron picolinate. Okay. Yep. And it was in a capsule. And in six weeks, he tested me again. He said, your iron levels are, are normal. I said, no, they told me at the blood bank it'd take at least six months. He said, go give blood. So I drive back to the blood bank. They said, you were just here six months ago. You were anemic and you're low on iron. There's no way it would be up. I said, test it. They tested. They said, this is a miracle. I said, I took iron picolinate. So our bodies have iron in it. The Maximilian's catalyst has iron in it. Must be something about iron being in a liquid form. There is. There, there's some other factors with, you know, if you've got, um, uh, and we may even cover this tomorrow because we'll be talking a lot about minerals in the body and the immune system and, um, copper and silver, two of the other metals. And sometimes it's just an imbalance. Sometimes you're, you're low on one of those others, like copper is when people can be low on it. You don't need much copper, but you can be low on that. And then it causes problems with others. A lot of times, uh, some people just look at the deficiency and just try to increase that particular mineral. And sometimes that works, but other times it's a, it's about the balance between two minerals. Copper and zinc um, work hand in hand. If you're ever um, supplementing zinc, which a lot of people were doing, um, because zinc really is good for our immune system, but if you're going to supplement zinc, you have to supplement copper with it. Interesting. And this will be on at uh, 11 o'clock Eastern yep. time tomorrow? Yep. The, uh, the, the doctor that's joining me is really good at all this stuff. And what's the number you call in so I don't call in on this same line? Um, just to listen? Don't you have the app? You should get the app. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do have the app. I can listen on the yeah, app. Yeah, you'll That's just right. listen live. Yeah. Of course I have the app. Okay, I thought mm -hmm. so. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just was you know, 
find it interesting about liquid iron and how our body has to have it and and how it uh, it does make a difference in your energy level. Real quick, one of the reasons why, you know, and this kind of goes along with the catalyst and fuel additives, I used to compare them to supplements all the time. I would say, well, I tried that supplement. It did nothing. I did everything they told me I should do. Nothing changed. One of the things I found was that it was the form of the supplement that can matter. So they might show this research where, well, if you increase magnesium, it will help you sleep. Or magnesium is one of those things that can do all kinds of things, but there's multiple forms of magnesium. There's a form of magnesium if you take, it does nothing for your sleep, um, but it would help if you were constipated. What happens with a lot of these supplements is that they're just trying to sell a product. They'll use the research and say, look, if you increase this, this is what happens. Then they will just go out and buy the cheapest form of that supplement and sell it, and it does nothing. It's the wrong form. And that's really what he found here with that liquid form. You said it was the picolinate, I believe. Iron picolinate. Yeah. It, was a, it was a tablet. Yeah, well, yeah. It can be. But I it, haven't. I haven't. I've taken some iron supplements because uh, my chiropractors, my two chiropractors that do the applied kinesiology, test everything that I take, and uh, I haven't taken it since, and that's been about 18 years ago. Yep. You, you get Maybe the right form, and they'll work. You get the wrong form, and they'll do nothing. Mm-hmm. And most of the stuff you're going to see in health food stores, most of the stuff you're going to see advertised on TV, they're all the cheapest forms, and they really just don't work. I was thinking of you last night. I was in a drugstore and looking at all the protein powders, and I was so tempted to buy another don't, don't. Of protein here, powder. Here, I, I tell then, people, do, do not I heard you ever, saying don't buy it. Do not ever supplement protein. Go eat a ribeye. Put a couple eggs on top of it. You'll get all the protein you ever need. I, uh, I don't eat ribeyes. I eat New York strips. A little less fat. That, that's why I eat the ribeye for the more fat. More fat, the better. <laughs> and, and you eat all that fat? I eat every bit you of it. You have to eat all that fat. I, yeah, I, eat, oh my God. I will take a ribeye completely untrimmed. Don't trim anything off of it, and I will eat every bit of it. You know, it's even better. Let's go to dinner during this show, and I want to see you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell, you can stop over at the coach. I'll do it for lunch. I got a couple of them in there right now. What about a pork chop? Do you eat the fat on pork chop? Oh, I love pork fat. Yeah. Praise the lard. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. All these years of trimming steak and not eating and eating low fat. And, and, uh, low fat was I, a uh, death sentence. The more grains in a bread, the better. I know. I know. And watch your salt intake. Mm. Come on. I All my ribeyes get, get what's called dry brined. So what you do is you take a, a ribeye and you, I mean, I literally cover it in salt. And then I'll let it sit in the refrigerator for 24 hours or up to even 72 hours. What happens is that salt pulls out all the moisture, mixes with the moisture, and then gets drawn back into the steak. And it, 
it, and then you will lose some of the moisture. It's almost like dry aging, and you will have the most incredible flavor on that steak. And who cares about all the salt? Salt's good mm. for us. I was uh, in the deep tissue masseuse about four years ago, and she said, uh, you don't need much salt, do you? I said, no. She said, I can tell. I said, how can you tell? She said, but from what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And she said, you need to go out and get salt. And she recommended that salt that comes out of Utah. That's uh, called Red, uh, Redmond. Redmond, Redmond salt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. She knew what she was talking about. Yeah, she did. And uh, I still don't use a whole lot of salt, but when I do, I use the Redmond. I do yeah. like garlic salt, though, if I'm seasoning. I oh, yeah. Use garlic salt. That's good. All right. Well, you should, uh, if, if you've got time tomorrow and you're listening, jump in and call. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to try. All right. We Always will. seems like when your show comes on, I have so many things to do. Though, That's kind of what I And I, I do want to listen to some of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, between phone calls and, and different things going on. Here comes an owner-operator texting me now. There you go. All right. We are going to wrap this up. We'll see you back here. <laughs> yeah, they're texting me about fat, about eating fat. <laughs> There's the tribe. There you go. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care. Talk Bye-bye. to you soon. Have a great afternoon. We will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always. Do the hard work and master the journey.